You're listening to The Backbone, a podcast exploring the journey of finance and operations within tech companies. Before we get to our show today, a quick word from our sponsors, Fena. I'm sure that planning for 2021 and beyond is top of mind for most of you right now. But it can be challenging when you can't connect the dots between your people, processes, and technology. That's where Vena comes in. Vena is a complete planning platform, loved by finance and trusted by business. The Vena Growth Engine combines the tool you already know, Excel, with the technology and experts you need to power your plan to grow. Vena will be your partner in financial transformation, so you can go from accounting mystery to planning mastery and grow with confidence. Learn more at venasolutions.com forward slash backbone. I like to think about finance and accounting as similar to Laszlo's hierarchy of needs. At the base level, you have bookkeepers. And then as you work your way up that this pyramid, uh, gap accounting and reporting further up, you get into things like FP&A, treasury management, and then things like quality investor relations. That's kind of how my path at Active Campaign has has transpired. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Backbone, a podcast exploring the journey of finance and operations within tech companies. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. If this is your first episode, welcome, and thanks for checking it out. For those returning listeners, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that you've subscribed, rated, and reviewed the show on whichever platform you're hearing this now. It would mean so much to me and help spread the stories of these amazing finance leaders we feature on The Backbone. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Tim Compton, Senior Vice President of Finance at Active Campaign, the leading customer experience automation software for growing businesses. As the SVP of Finance, Tim leads the finance, accounting, and legal teams through Active Campaign's hypergrowth phase. During Tim's 15-year career, he's hitched himself onto a few rockets. While some have wildly been successful, Google and Active Campaign, others have failed to reach orbit such as Groupon and Geofedia. But the experiences at all of them have proven invaluable. Tim holds an active CPA license with the state of California and earned a bachelor's degree in finance and accounting at the University of Arizona and a master's in business administration at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. And so without further ado, let's hear from Tim Compton, SVP of Finance at Active Campaign. I thought we'd get started today by talking a bit about your career journey and how it all started for you. So you started your career at EY in San Francisco, and then from there, you had stints at Google, Groupon, and Geofedia, all of which names that start with G, so maybe there's a trend there. <laughs> You've now been at Active Campaign for over three and a half years, where you're currently the Senior Vice President of Finance. So walk me through that career journey for you and that led you to the role today and how it all started for you. Yeah, I think the career journey actually started with pizza. So I originally attended, uh, I think now it would be a business economics major. And part of the first classes was an intro to accounting. Apparently it did well in the first test because the accounting department invites all students to well the first test to a pizza dinner. And being the cheap freshman in college, I couldn't say no. 
and they lured me into the county program. So went through Arizona, then got a internship at EY, really did the standard EY big four accounting audit track for a couple years in the Bay Area. I can't say enough about that experience. What I think about in terms of experience is it's really your intro to client service work, busting your butt, doing everything for the client, focus on the client, working with incredibly smart people, and you're constantly changing engagements. So the the breadth of people that I worked with were really, really interesting and really covered a lot. In fact, the network that I got from EY in those first three years is still paying off dividends. But yet, you know, after a few years at Big Four County and you're kind of, you know, thinking about, do you want to keep going down uh, that path of focusing your career on accounting or perhaps leave and get a little more breadth? So uh, looking around, did a little bit of networking, and Google M&A finance job appeared. I moved over there. I think anyone uh, would leave Big Four Accounting for circa 2007. Definitely a fun call, too. The experience was definitely unique. When I went there, they were definitely on the upswing in terms of transaction activity. They had just started their acquisition of DoubleClick. They had closed no more than a year ago from when I started with YouTube. Those two together were like $5 billion. But when the financial crisis hit, Google, like most other companies, responded in their M&A practice, toned it down a lot through most of 08 and through a good chunk of 09. And so a lot of my work there was on interesting transactions. Uh, Google.org was actually heating up, did a lot of transaction work with them. And then I was lucky enough to be on the front lines of uh, Google Ventures starting up. And so my boss at the time, John Ferber, actually became the CFO of GV. And I was the first analyst in a couple of the deals. Incredible experience, you know, being a 25-year-old analyst working with the general partner like Rich Miner. Super exciting. And then the next career path was a personal one. I married a Michigander, and for her, four years at Arizona, five years in San Francisco were a little too much, and so we made the big switch to move to the Midwest. Chicago was just the most likely destination, and ends up with a job at William Blair doing sell-side equity research, so moving back to the client service work. You know, again, my overall career goals were to move more into finance than accounting, and this totally fit. So when I was at uh, Blair doing equity research, the coverage list for my analyst was entirely in digital media, mostly consumer internet, and incredibly exciting. My first exposure to investment banking, luckily, equity research is not the same demands as corporate finance and traditional investment banking. So Still still crazy, mostly 50 to 60-hour weeks on calm weeks and then earning season, it would get pretty crazy. But the what was most valuable was probably just learning how investors think, how to structure models properly, getting just incredible exposure with CEOs and CFOs of great companies, as well as great exposure to incredibly smart investors. 
So I was there for about two years, including covering Groupon through its IPO. Unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, I was part of a little reorganization. And so I was let go along with a handful of other equity research associates. But I don't think I was unemployed for more than a couple of weeks when uh, Groupon kind of swapped me up and had me go into uh, their corporate FP&A group. That was a different experience. I joined <laughs> uh, Groupon, I believe, went public at $24 a share in November of 2011. I joined them June of 2012, and I believe the stock price had fallen to about 12. Uh, this was weeks after a restatement of their earnings, had a material weakness, and obviously the IPO didn't go well either. So the stock had already dropped in half. And then within six months of me being there, I believe the CEO was fired and the stock troughed at about $3 or so. Those eight months or so at Groupon, just the, the biggest thing I can really say about that experience is you take a large group of people who are incredibly intelligent, incredibly hardworking. You know, these are people from a lot of them from Amazon, from big consulting firms, invest top-notch investment banks, people who have gone their entire lives and careers. It sounds weird, but all this time without failure. I mean, if you think about the background of your stereotypical, perhaps like manager at Bain Consulting with a top-notch MBA, you know, these types of people have gone their entire lives always being the best. And to be in an organization where when you're in the finance group, you can't control the product. There's only so much you can do. And when we were at Groupon, and obviously time has kind of proven this, the product itself was just fundamentally flawed. And there's only so much that you in finance can do, but we just didn't realize it. So it was a constant fight and struggle to try to solve all these problems that in hindsight, we just couldn't solve. But because of it, you could see, unfortunately, some of the worst of people in these situations that we were placed. So it was a crazy, chaotic environment for those first eight months and then were, were difficult. And for me, that's when I started going to Chicago Booth part-time. And during that time, started to get more exposure to startups and being the head of finance at startups. Really just got a passion for that. And knew that's where I wanted to take my career. So from there, I really had to just take responsibility myself for making the switch. Just did an incredible amount of networking. Every single Series A, Series B tech company in the Chicago area um, kind of filtered it for a few more criteria that I was looking for and then just networked out the yin-yang. I think at some point, I had probably met with 20 to 30 CEOs or CFOs of the tech companies in Chicago. That alone was a great experience. And then the other thing I did was I started moonlighting for a small startup called uh, Scout Scout Alarm. Um, really just being the bookkeeper, which doesn't sound glamorous, but those nights of learning QuickBooks and how to just do simple things like, you know, take uh, Chase QuickPay data and get that imported into QuickBooks and then properly build the books and report them to a CEO, that was so valuable. And I think that is actually what helped me get in the door at Geofedia. And so I joined them as a director of finance. 
still pretty small. I think they were just finishing up their Series A with Silversmith, probably at about 10 million ARR. And it was a great one-year experience. When I joined 10 million ARR, when the company peaked, it was at about 16 million. So, you know, one year, 60% growth is pretty good. The collapse was memorable too. Go ahead and do a little research on Geophedia. There's some interesting news articles there, but just another experience of just an interesting organization and how people respond in trying times. Luckily for me, around the time that Geophedia was collapsing, Silversmith Capital Partners also invested in Active Campaign. And I reached out to Jason, the CEO, just as a welcomed Silversmith family. Let's get together for coffee and kind of talk about you know, what it's like to be in the portfolio and what they might ask for. And during coffee, Jason kind of shared some background. And there's a lot that I don't remember about that call. But what I do remember are the three metrics he gave. And it would have been the size and revenue, the growth and revenue, and the capital efficiency. And those three metrics were just, all of them, fantastic. And combined, I couldn't think of another company uh, that had that criteria. So really, when that popped up, just that conversation with Jason, I knew I had to seize it and jump on board of the active campaign train. And that was three and a half years ago. And when I joined, it was 17 million in ARR. And just recently, we crossed 100 million ARR. So it's it's been an incredible journey. That's for sure. Wow, no doubt. That's an incredible uh, journey that you've been on so far. And thanks for walking us through that. If I could ask, what is Active Campaign? What does the company do? And, and what is it all about? Yeah, Active Campaign is a customer experience automation platform. We do a lot of, I guess we call it orchestration. So typical uh, marketing automation companies out there, which uh, run the gamut from Marketo uh, or HubSpot at the enterprise level to MailChimp at the consumer level, we're kind of in between the offering basically the capabilities of enterprise, but also the simplicity of the more consumer side. And so we target, if that's the right word to use, SMBs. So our ASP is about $1,000 per customer per year, well below a company like HubSpot um, or Marketo, but greater than uh, MailChimp and the consumer. And we have about 600 employees worldwide across offices in Sydney, Dublin, Chicago, and Indianapolis. And so as a company, ActiveCampaign crossed some impressive milestones, some of which you already alluded to, but I think it's worth mentioning again. So at the start of 2020, you raised $100 million from Susquehanna Growth Partners. And then more recently, you announced that the company has passed $100 million in ARR and has over 100,000 total customers. So as you said, as someone who joined the company when it was uh, around 75 employees and 17 million in ARR back in 2016. What has been the biggest learnings for you having experienced such tremendous growth? I think the biggest learning for me is you have to keep evolving. And what I mean by that is when I originally started Active Campaign, we were the standard small company. We were running on QuickBooks. Uh, we did Chase QuickPay for most of our payments. We didn't have an HR department. We didn't have internal legal 
it was just a small company. And so my role then was, you know, honestly, it was primarily bookkeeper, as well as basic HR, payroll, doing a little bit of facilities and managing our external legal counsel. And fortunately for me, the company has grown. And because of it, I've had to evolve. And so over time, it's been things like, you know, obviously I can't stay a bookkeeper, so I have to do an evolution. And so some of the ways that has transpired, I like to think about finance and accounting as similar to Laszlo's hierarchy of needs. So, you know, going back to like your sophomore ethics class or something like that, where you learned about Laszlo, you have this pyramid and the base layer are just the fundamentals that you need in life food, shelter, etc. And then as you go up that pyramid, it becomes other things like quality, meaning in life, enriching uh, relationships, etc. And that hierarchy applied to finance accounting is basically things like at the base level, you have bookkeepers, um, making sure vendors get paid, making sure the company receives the cash, making sure employees get paid. And then as you work your way up that this pyramid, you get things like the next few levels would be uh, gap accounting and reporting to external parties like banks or investors. Further up, you get into things like FP&A, treasury management, and then things like quality investor relations, building out uh, forecast capabilities, etc. And that's kind of how my path at Active Campaign has has transpired. And as I've moved up this pyramid, if you will. The other thing that has occurred is hiring people to basically take over what I'm doing and then shedding those responsibilities. So when I, again, when I first started, it was a lot of bookkeeping. And less than a year into my tenure, the first hire I made was an accounting manager to basically take over the bookkeeping, which includes not only traditional gap reporting, but AP, payroll, AR, etc. Same concept with HR. Hired first a HR manager to kind of take things over. Unfortunately, I had to pivot about a year after that and bring in a VP of HR and then a whole talent acquisition team. But that concept of kind of taking ownership for a while and then spinning it off and really focusing on my core responsibilities and what I have a passion for. And so as the organization has gotten bigger, finance and accounting has obviously gotten bigger. And that that concept or that theory that I have applied of kind of hire people to take over the stuff that I'm doing, spin it off, and then just let them run it is kind of what I've been applying for the past few years. You know, So again, the accounting manager was the first accounting hire. About eight months later to a year later, we hired a controller to take us up that pyramid a little bit higher to do technical accounting that was coming up a little more precise gap accounting, get a little bit higher quality reporting to investors and the board, as well as just handle the increased volume of activity that's going to accounting. Recently, the focus has been pieces even higher on that pyramid. So really building out first commercial finance to help out our business partners. And then the next piece of FPNA has been corporate FPNA to try to really improve our forecasting procedures, getting the whole company in line in terms of 
um, getting a company goal setting process that's aligned with our annual uh, budgeting process, CRISPR reporting to more demanding board members, and then kind of some of the latter pieces in this pyramid that are evolving right now are more sophisticated IR procedures, perhaps a more sophisticated treasury management program too. So that's kind of been how uh, things have evolved um, for myself in active campaign accounting and finance over the past three and a half years. Wow, that's incredible to see that growth, not only in the company, but how the finance function has had to scale to keep up with it. Time for a quick break and a word from our sponsors. 2020 has forced all of us to react, adapt, and pivot, all without a playbook. With the year coming to a close, how are you planning to lead and grow your business in 2021? Whether you're looking to make up for lost time or accelerate growth, Veta can help you streamline the way you grow with its complete planning platform. If you're looking to upgrade your ability to weather unexpected storms, improve the way you manage your workforce, increase your number of accounts, or just gain a better understanding of what drives your business, you need a plan to grow. And that's where Vena comes in. Check out venasolutions.com forward slash backbone for more info. And now back to the show. You know, another thing that caught my eye about Active Campaign was its focus on SMBs. In fact, on your website, you state that every time you make a decision, you think, how will this help small businesses? As a finance leader of a company that serves SMBs, what are some of the unique challenges and opportunities of serving this segment of the market compared to the enterprise? I would say much more simplicity. So my comparable would be Geofedia which was entirely enterprise. And as the finance leader for um, a company that sells to the enterprise, you really have to be on the ball all the time, understanding what the pipeline is. You have to understand um, who the big contracts are, who the uh, salespeople are working on them, understand, you know, are the salespeople sandbaggers or overly ambitious so that you have you know, something insightful in terms of knowing what things are going to close when. In comparison with Active Campaign, the sales cycle is incredibly short. It's 30 days or less. Um, half of our uh, customers are uh, self serve, the other half actually touch a customer. And so, as the finance leader selling to SMBs, you, it's so much more analytical and quantitative. The volume itself just blends to great statistical analysis. And so you really get to apply those great theoretical concepts that you read about in terms of LTV to CAC and apply those to marketing actions. Again, like in comparison to Geofedia, it's so relationship-based in enterprise. And I remember when I was at Geofedia, we had a great uh, RevOps director but he had a hard time because he was so analytical that he kept trying to quantify everything. And you can't quantify long-cycled relationship-built sales. You know, one salesperson who needs six months selling a key customer or something for $200,000 is completely different than a team of BDRs who are just dialing for dollars. So that's been really, really different. I, I had a couple adjustments at Geofedia, understanding that 
more enterprise and relationship-based sales. And it, it takes time. It's been my experience. So that's, for me, how SMBs really make a difference. And I personally, I, being the finance and quantitative type guy, really appreciate uh, this level of business versus versus something like enterprise. Um, as a follow-up to that, what considerations do you take into account when deciding if the company should move up market versus not? You know, part of it is we really want to let the market knows better than we do. And so we're not going to try to fight trends or try to swim upstream when you've got something great. Um, you just kind of have to go with it. So we will have an, as, as an executive team conversations about, you know, not so much moving up market, but if there are different types of markets that we should be serving Obviously, our product, our, our pricing and packaging gets a lot of considerations, which definitely I would consider part of the discussion of moving up market. But what we've really discovered, especially in the past uh, two and a half months that COVID has been so impactful for all of us, is there is definitely this huge trend, which is obvious, of moving to digital. And we've seen some companies you know, like Zoom or Shopify really, really take advantage of that. Luckily, Active Campaign is kind of in that group where we are seeing tremendous activity. And a lot of that activity is coming from certain certain markets. And so, you know, as we're in this kind of funky macroeconomic world that we're in, we're really just following the market trends and not trying to you know, outsmart the market and make a move like going up market that contradicts what we're seeing our customers act on. That makes a lot of sense to stay grounded and let your customers pull you up market or let the market determine where your product needs to needs to go. So I love that. Uh, last question here before we jump into our quick fire round, and that is what's the biggest misconception about the finance function within a high growth software company like Active Campaign? For lots of people, from employees frequently act to outsiders, they think we just do AP, AR, and payroll, and maybe like bookkeeping. And huge misconception. Um, I mean, we cover a ton. Uh, right now, I would say finance is inclusive of analytics, anything that requires that has a dollar sign attached to it, and that single source of truth. And luckily, we've kind of built up that culture at Active Campaign where people do understand that and people go to finance, not just for T&E forms or things like that, but getting the source of data for things like, what was our customer acquisition cost for for this channel last month? Would be like one example of a question that people go to finance for. So I think we've been lucky that in Active Campaign, we're kind of it's taken a while, but we have kind of beaten some of the misconceptions of finance. But for sure, when I talk about being head of finance for a tech company to outsiders, a lot of the questions will be like, oh, so you do AP and payroll and things like that. And it's like, yeah, you know, that's the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Those are all just table stakes, and there's so much more that goes on uh, beyond that, no doubt. Well, what I'd love to do now is uh, jump into our quickfire round, and the way this works is I'll ask you some questions. You'll have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? That sounds great. Let's do it. 
All right. So what is your go-to online resource for all things uh, finance related? So there are two. First, not necessarily open online, but I'm part of a networking group of Chicago tech CFOs. And the Slack channel we have is incredibly useful. For example, in less than two months, it's become a massive data repository for all things related to PPP loans. Also just great group of people that we just get to spitball and we all have the same problems and almost always uh, someone has encountered a problem before I have and so they already have a solution. My other online source, LinkedIn. I easily spend 30 minutes on a day either sourcing candidates, reviewing people's backgrounds prior to speaking with them, or reading my feed to get a feel of what's going on. Nice. What's your uh, favorite productivity hack? Google Sheets. The team leverages the crap out of Sheets. We have a master sheet. We have several master sheets that are connected to minor sheets, which can then feed board decks and Google Sheets, or I guess, sorry, Google Slides, and MDNA and Google Docs, uh, and lots of other management documents. My little team of two analysts and a manager can create a ton of material in a limited amount of time because of Google Sheets connectivity. What's one thing you don't leave the office or in, in, in this environment, your desk, before finishing? Yeah, in the pre-COVID world, I guess, I would always say bye to my team and thank them. Uh, I really try to emphasize to the team that I value them whenever possible. And uh, ha- has that now adjusted? Like, are you doing that via Slack or, or emails or something like this? Oh, it doesn't happen enough. I do have Friday morning meetings and with the teams and I try to always, you know, thank them and wish them a good weekend. That's uh, that's really awesome. And what's uh, one jargon that makes you cringe? Forecasted. The reason that it's not correct. Forecast, the past tense of forecast is forecast. You know, did Julius Caesar say the die is casted? No, it's just forecast. That's amazing. I, like uh, of so many guests that have come through the backbone, you know, that, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> What's the best advice you've received so far in your career? When I was starting my career at EY, there was a common phrase that I heard over and over. Don't do something you wouldn't want on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and that concept has really stuck with me from a practical standpoint. Anything we do these days could be broadcast around the world in seconds. So make sure you always are presenting yourself well. Uh, But more core of this statement is be a good, honest person all the time. Always have a consistent message. Don't tell one party one thing and another party something else. And think hard about who you want to be presented and how people will think about you. That's great advice for sure. And, you know, I'll be the first to tell you what you shared with us here today is presenting you and Active Campaign in a great light. So thanks again, Tim. Really appreciated this time and conversation. I learned a lot about your career path, about Active Campaign, about the tremendous growth that Active Campaign has been on since you joined the company and how the finance function has been able to grow and scale to support it, as well as how you think about uh, being a part of an SMB software company versus one that is. Uh, enterprise. So really appreciated the time today. And thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Well, until next time, take care. Thanks. And that wraps up another episode of The Backbone. Hope you enjoyed that awesome conversation with Tim Compton, SVP of Finance at Active Campaign. Check out some of the other awesome finance leaders featured on The Backbone from companies like Ecobee, Wealthsimple, League, and many more. 
Thank you for listening all the way through and joining me on this journey inside finance at a tech company. Until next time, take care. Oh, and one last thing before we leave. Get growing today with Plan to Grow, a free mobile-friendly digital learning and event platform for busy finance professionals. Join industry experts and thought leaders for CPE-accredited talks and tutorials, live and interactive events, insights, and inspiration. Stay informed on the latest trends with live and on-demand videos and continue your professional development with a library of over 35 hours of CPE-accredited talks. Plan to Grow is the ultimate destination to power your growth journey. Head over to plantogrow.com forward slash backbone to unlock your experience.